podcast as part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to today's episode of 49ers Unrestricted. I'm Timmy Gibson here with my co-host, Daniel Bigelow. Daniel, how you doing this fine morning? I think I'm still stressed from yesterday. Like yeah, I, was, I still have anxiousness running through my body. That was a, a stressful 49ers battle against, against the Cincinnati the Cincinnati Bengals. It was, it was fun. That was a, just a great, a great game all around, but I, I know what you mean about the stress. It was not great on the, uh, on the nerves, but man, was it exciting. 49ers got a big win. If you missed it, I'm not sure why you're listening to the podcast. If you did miss it, but if you missed it, the 49ers got a big overtime win against the Cincinnati Bengals and, uh, 49ers fan might recognize the significance of a 49ers Bengals matchup as a couple of Super Bowls in the 80s. Uh, but I know probably a lot of you are thinking Cincinnati Bengals, like they've been terrible. And the answer is not this season. This is a good Bengals team that is competing, was the one seed, I think, in the AFC at one point, is competing to win the AFC North, is Just going to the playoffs. So this is a big, big win for the 49ers to hang with a team that has hung with the best of them all season. And so that was a big win for the 49ers rounding bouncing off a loss to the Seahawks and the 49ers uh, looking at the NFL playoff picture right now are still sitting firmly in that sixth seed and anything can happen. So yeah, Daniel, how you feeling after that big win? Every single game I'm watching, I'm thinking about our podcast, obviously. And I'm what usually comes to mind while I'm watching the game, like I'll take notes here and there, like how I feel watching the game, some, some highlights, but I'll mainly go through and watch a recap and then write down stats and stories and, and yada, yada. Um, but the main thing that I'm actually thinking about during the game is like, okay, what is the, the feel or the tone of the podcast? How do I feel going into this? What do I want to talk about? And kind of like, how, how do I feel about it? How do I present that? Yeah. And it was an absolute roller coaster yesterday, watching this game, thinking like, okay, these like this might not look awesome, but these were some awesome points. Like, did Jimmy G have a star stutter game? No, but do I think he did well? Again, we talked weeks ago about limiting our expectations of Jimmy G, and he he got the job done in some cases in some scenarios. But really, it was George Kittle who got the job done. Um, George Kittle had just another monstrous game coming off of last week where he had another monstrous game. Um, he, George Kittle is this had the second consecutive game that he eclipsed 150 yards with a touchdown. And that was the fourth time he's done so in his career, which broke a tie with one of the best tight ends ever, Shannon Sharp. Yeah. Um, you might recognize him from the undisputed. But before yeah. he screamed at Skip Bayless on your television, he was the best tight end in NFL history until some guys in the past decade or so have passed him, I'd say. Yeah, he, he was nuts, man. Um, he was crazy watching some highlights for him. You know, I love hearing – I don't really care about random people's, like, top players at whatever position, but I love listening to the professional athletes who they think is the best at whatever position, like – 
their people call it their death lineup, their all time lineup, whatever it is. Um, and Shannon Sharp was surprisingly in the tight end slot for a lot of those. I was expecting to see a little bit more Tony Gonzalez than yeah. I did because that, that's who I would put as all time. You wouldn't put Gronkowski. I would. Uh, I would not. I have to go back at stats because I feel like T- Tony Gonzalez has a longevity of being consistent, and and not that Rob hasn't, um, but I would say those are those are the top ones. I think top five are Sharp, Gonzalez, Gronk, Kelsey Kittle. Yeah, and I, obviously Kelsey and Kittle, and I, I guess Gronk as well are not done. Um, yeah, but yeah, uh, that was an insane game for for Kittle yet again. He now has twenty two catches. For 332 yards and three touchdowns in his last two games. Yeah. If you have George Kittle in fantasy, you I there's no way you have not won the last two weeks. Yeah, I can I can attest to that. I have won. Yeah, I can attest to that in the league in which I have George Kittle. Some other some other sweet highlights was another Debo Samuel rushing touchdown. He is now second all time for rushing touchdowns by a wide receiver in a season. He has six. Um, I also loved seeing Brandon Ayuk become a little more of a focal point in the office and get used more. He had 11 targets, uh, only six receptions for 62 yards and a touchdown. And how long do we have to wait to talk about that game ending diving inside the pylon touchdown? Yeah. Incredible. What a play. There was, there was a lot of review of it. Like, granted, it was the game-winning play. Like, it's in, they're done. <clears throat> but there, there was a long video review about it. Um, and I was, I was jumping up and down the second I saw it. I'm like, he's in. You know, once they showed his toes, stayed in bounds the entire time, I knew it was in. You yeah. could see the ball across the plane. I'll be honest. I was watching that on, on the move and I was, I was walking with my phone and I got into a place with bad cell service. So I'm seeing like grainy and I'm like, that's us. And I see an 11. I'm like, that's an Ayuk. It looks like he's in and I'm seeing like stripes, like kind of moving their arms like this. I'm doing, you know, holding my arms above my head listeners. And I'm like, I think they're calling a touchdown. Like I can't tell. And then I walked into a parking structure, had no service. And then like three minutes later checked. And I was like, we won, <laughs> but it was so funny. Cause I like, it was a murky call. I'm sure watching it live but on my like my phone slowly like losing service this grainy picture like what signal are the refs making it was like i think it was a touchdown and it was it was awesome yeah it was again the roller coaster um we got down in field goal range wasted some time um i you know i love to see them play smart but i hated seeing uh i believe they had like 28 seconds they had to waste uh, so Jimmy would hike the ball, he would wait, and then he would just throw it to the back of the end zone to try to waste time so that they could kick a, a Robbie Gold field goal to, to win the game. Yeah. And he missed. So we went to overtime. Um, I, I was very surprised that – not surprised that we held them to a field goal on their first drive, but was surprised that they didn't get a touchdown with the way they were charging down the field. Yeah, that was, um, that was scary. They, it was like, oh, like we're not going to be able to stop them. Like they're moving and I'm going to be on the podcast tomorrow complaining about NFL overtime rules, but then right. held him to a field goal. We, while the defense may not, well, in some instances, the D our defense looked incredible and in other instances, trash. Uh, yeah. And it, it, it was really tough. And 
if you weren't aware, we have a lot of cornerbacks out. Yeah. Um, that we do, my friend. That Daniel. we do. That we do. So Josh Norman started, and then Ambry Thomas started behind him. What I don't understand is Kawan Williams was healthy, but he wasn't technically the number two cornerback to start the game. Yeah. That still is a mystery to me. I believe they prefer him in the nickel position, if I'm correct. Yeah, um, they totally do. But they prefer him in the nickel position more than that and starting Ambry Thomas? Yeah, that's a good question. I would have it probably just, stuck him in the nickel. It just confused me. Um, I would have loved to see uh, taking him out of the Kawan Williams out there. Yeah, he was. Yeah, awesome. I mean the um, the 49ers. You and I like were about to get called up to play cornerback for them. Like the fact that they won that game with the cornerback injuries they dealt with is is a miracle, quite frankly. Yeah, and we can yeah, we I'm can gonna... argue and we should we should discuss like how they handled those injuries. But wow, was it a crazy amount of setbacks at that position? Yeah, Diamondar Lenore started uh, earlier in the season. I don't, actually I don't remember if he started or I believe he just got more reps. Um, Ambry Thomas was injured a little bit, but then I think he was also just held out as an inactive for a while. Yeah. And, you know, Lenore is a fifth round pick. He was a rookie. So he definitely made some mistakes, but we saw, we still see a lot of promise in him. I liked what we saw from him. Um, I don't yeah. think that he made a whole lot of mistakes and deserved to be leapfrogged by Ambry Thomas. It was I nice to finally see one of our third round picks from this draft on the field though. That was nice. Yeah. And obviously we don't see what goes on in practice in the clubhouse. And, you know, there's plenty of things that we have no idea about. So we can only speculate. Um, that is what we I do thought, here. It is. But I thought Amber Thomas almost blew us the freaking game, man. Um, he had two illegal hands to the face penalties. And one of those came on Jimmy Ward's interception and Nick Bosa's sack. So discounted both of those awesome defensive plays. Um, he also, I think, I mean, he just got beat by Jamar Chase in that deep end zone pass by Joe Burrow that was later ruled an incomplete pass because the ball had touched the ground in the end zone. And then Jamar Chase's touchdown where he was in the back of the end zone and tiptoed to stay in. Uh, Hufunga was supposed to pick him up, and he did. Uh, yeah. Chase kind of put him in the blender and, and just cut soup, cut cut him up big time in, in some different ways. It almost looked like a serpentine. Um <laughs> And Hufunga wasn't able to keep up, but also that was Avery Thomas's guy and he was nowhere to be found. So yeah. I don't know what the, what the defensive call was, what he was supposed to do, but in the replay, it did not look like he was supposed to leave him and he sure did. So I was not thrilled with Ambry Thomas with yeah. all of the cornerback situation we had going on. I'm just surprised that we came out of this game with a victory with a receiving team of Jamar Chase, T Higgins, and a very underrated Tyler Boyd. So with the secondary that we had coming up with a win, huge. Yeah, that was big. I mean, that game was, it was a fun game, but yeah, the secondary, I mean, Burrow was injured. If we continue to have these secondary woes, I, I find it hard to see us beating better quarterbacks and quarterbacks who aren't injured for sure. Burrow was a good, a good young QB, but he was dealing with a, some sort of finger dislocation or something like that, that I'm sure limited him. And he'd been throwing a lot of picks this year. Anyways, I worry about like, if we can't fix that cornerback room by right now, we're on track for the playoffs. If we don't have a fixed cornerback room by the playoffs, we're toast. We're probably not making a deep playoff run regardless, but without fixing that cornerback room, no way. 
And what do you mean by a fixed cornerback room? Because in my mind, we there is no way for us to have a fixed cornerback room this season. Yeah, and you're, you're playoffs. You're probably right. I mean, the the best we can hope is that it it's not a liability, right? That's all. That if we can get them to not be a liability, we can we can make up for it with safety play. We got good safeties. We got great linebackers and we got a great defensive line. So if we can just make the secondary, not a liability. And then if the pass rush can get a little more traction that, that can neutralize that. But yeah, I agree. I'm not sure what, what fixing it is other than hoping for some crazy development out of Lenore and Thomas. Well, you and I talked early in the season and all throughout the season, really that the secondary is absolutely the biggest uh, issue and broken part of this roster. We talked about that in preseason. Um, we talked about the depth of the defensive line and how we like the depth of the secondary with rookies, Lenore, Thomas, and Hufunga. Yeah. But as, as the season went on, our secondary started off pretty poorly, I want to say, but really picked it up. They, yeah. I mean, in, in my opinion, they did a lot better than I was anticipating they would this season. Yeah. But I will say the bar I set was so very low that you know the only thing you can do is step over or we start cutting people so they they played over my expectations but i think now it's you know it's now that it's late in the season it's this we're not in playoffs but when you have the niners and the Bengals who are fighting for wild card this is essentially a playoff game i mean it's just not it's just not that time of year but we're almost there it's the same feel some argue that getting into the playoffs people fight harder than in the playoffs so yeah that's true. And I mean, it's, it's tough being like, we just have to make the playoffs because like, who knows what's going to happen when we're in the playoffs, right? Like what, like, do we have the team to make a Super Bowl run? You know what? The NFC is, is not the, there's not like a, a juggernaut team in the NFL this season. So I really do think that if we're in the playoffs, anything could happen, but yeah, the secondary is going to be a big limitation. I'm getting very tired of seeing Josh Norman out there, but we'll, we'll do what we have to do. And Yeah. Mosley being on IR is, is tough. Yeah. That's a, that is a tough loss. Um, having Ward and Tart both healthy back there in the secondary is great. Um, I felt like they did really well. Honestly, I, I can't think of anything else really to complain with um, other than Ambry Thomas yesterday in terms of the secondary. Yeah, definitely. No, it's uh, it, it's definitely a liability, but we won. And we won against a team with good receivers. The Bengals receiving core is, is a, is a great, a great receiving core. And our secondary was able to get us that win. So that, that is not to be, to be understated that we pulled that off. Yeah. Joe Burrow was 25, 25 completions for 34 attempts with 348 yards. I was surprised to see that today. It just did not feel like that much Uh, with two interceptions. And I believe uh, there's six minutes left in the third quarter and the announcer makes a note that T Higgins and Jamar Chase both are held to one catch at this point. I believe that's what he said. Wow. And of course, right as I write this down, Higgins gets his second and it was a relatively big game. So yeah, T Higgins went off late and kept them in the game. He was five receptions for 114 yards. Jamar Chase was five receptions for 77 yards. Yeah. Um, and CJ Ozuma and Tyler Boyd were each four receptions. Ozuma 56 yards, Boyd 55. So spread the ball out, threw the ball a lot, had some big plays. Um, but our our run defense was awesome. Joe Mixon yeah. had 18 attempts for 58 yards. So that is a 3.2 average. 
he had a, a long run of 17 yards, so he did have a, a bigger break. But yeah. Joe Mixon has been hot this year, and he was very cold yesterday thanks to our D-line. Yeah, and our, our D-line has been – has been playing better. It's definitely, it's definitely stepped up. Bosa, you know, he's, I mean, he's one of the NFL's premier pass rushers and he's been playing like it. And I mean, even ridiculous holding penalties can't stop him consistently at this point. So yeah, playing well, our O-line continues to play well. Somehow Tom Compton is competent every once in a while, which is shocking, but yeah. On on the Debo Samuel rush touchdown, dude, if, if, you got the five five offensive linemen lining up. I believe George Kittle's on Compton's right. There's no one on Compton. And so he breaks down, goes behind George Kittle, who's making a block, runs all the way up to the cornerback at the sideline, gets yeah. a block there, and actually is able to essentially block two guys so Debo can break away on the sideline for a touchdown. I was not expecting a touchdown in that play. All I wanted was the first down. And that is a classic Debo Samuel rushing attempt where he he gets more yards and gets the first down you're like awesome oh you're still going how are you still in bounds and how are you not so and before De- i know it he's in the end zone debo samuel is a running back like <laughs> at this point he's he's a running back he was he was nuts man yeah hey, hey before i bring up uh, another topic i would like to discuss just two more highlights from the game yeah well, I don't remember his name. I want to say his last name was Phillips on the Bengals, their punt returner. Yeah, who muffed that, that two right. punts. We capitalized on those turnovers for the most part. But poor guy, when yeah. he muffs two punts, Kyle Williams all over again. I was going to say, like 49ers fans, you know how Bengals fans feel with uh, the Kyle Williams experience. And he was ruled down, but after those two punts, their kick returner fumbled the ball. And it, it, it wasn't truly a fumble. The ground caused a fumble. He was down already, but yeah. it was almost another fumble on special teams. And I'm like, this coming off of a week where Seattle special teams destroyed us. Yeah. And then going to a game where we had multiple fumbles on special teams, that was awesome. Yeah, that was the special teams stepped up except for that missed kick at the end. Special teams has been a liability for the 49ers recently. was not this game except for the missed kick at the end, but that those happen. Like you you kind of have to, to deal with those from time to time. Yeah, that was just a fun, a fun game. And I think, I mean, the Cincinnati Bengals have been one of the better teams in the NFL. I don't know if they're one of the best, but hanging with them is, is good, is, is good stuff for the 49ers. That's for sure. The last note I want to make about the game I don't know if you saw this, Timmy, but Von Bell got a taunting penalty. Yeah, classic taunting. I think I did miss that, but gotta love taunting penalties, right? Classic taunting. It was, I believe, I don't remember what the play was. I just know that he got the ball, and it was one of those things where he knows the ball is dead, but he's going to pick it up and run with it until he hears the whistles. Sure. And I believe it's Tom Compton that he's running by. Um, Maybe Alex Mack. I don't remember who, but he's running. Just, you know, whistles are being blown. He's running and he like points in the face of one of our linemen and just keeps going. And that's it. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So it it is relatively ridiculous that taunting has has become such a penalized thing to to where, you know, you wave a finger and it's a taunting penalty. So, yes. And that, I mean, that set up George Kittle's touchdown, which was beautiful. I don't know how he kept his knee up off the ground long enough to get the ball over the plane. Besides yeah. the point, 
Um, it's one of those things where like, sure. Are we really going to flag bell for that? Just, you know, pointing a finger, but it's also you so unnecessary. You did not yeah. need to do that. Plays dead balls dead. You're picking up the ball to run with it just cause like, you know, it's easy for me to say as, as a Niners fan, cause I went my way that the, the, the play was just unnecessary, but the call was also relatively unnecessary, but you know, we've, we've had some pretty bad calls. We've had some, some bummer calls towards us. So we'll take that. It's tough because the calls are bad, but it's also like at this point, like you should know not to do that. Like my dad made a point as we were watching the game together that uh, this refing crew, I don't, I don't know if it's just this season or just in general, but then before this game, the Niners are 0 and 6 with this refing crew. Well, we got the one. If that doesn't tell you something, I don't refs, know what does. Man, the refs are so bad this year. We need to fix this. Like, I don't know what – I think the rule book might just need to be made simpler. Like, I don't even know if it's the ref's fault or if they just have too many competing things to worry about. But, man, the holding penalties all season on Bosa that just aren't being called, it's terrible. It's really bad. Yeah, I'm not I'm not quite sure. Hey, let me let me uh, enlighten enlighten us on some injuries real quick. Um, yeah, please do. Dre, our four inactives: Dre Greenlaw was out, Maurice Hurst was out, Trenton Cannon, who seems to be doing just fine as he's recovering from his head injury, um, he was out, and Elijah Mitchell was out as well. Yeah, Elijah Mitchell also in the concussion protocol made it through Sunday's game, but reported to practice on Monday with a headache still in the protocol yeah and so he was i want to say up until saturday he was questionable so i assume he'll be ready to go this next week against the falcons um yeah. because it was such a game time decision um, and with a whole extra week i assume he'll be he'll be ready to go i believe Drake greenlaw could be ready by next sunday um, i saw reports that he might just need one more week so uh fred warner was back Man, was, was that nice? Last, Debo was back, obviously. Debo yeah, and Warner having, back. Having I mean, guys. that's with with those two guys take us from a bad, like a beauty, like they make us a good team. Like having those two guys on the field, it's like okay, we can win. Like anything can happen with these two guys because they can make any play at any time. You know? Yeah. And uh, Amber Thomas had a head injury late in the end of the game. Yeah. Aziz Alshire, who I just cannot praise enough, has been incredible. He's the third linebacker on a healthy depth chart stepping up. And I mean, he's been playing better than some other teams. First linebackers. Uh, yeah. He has been crazy just in the role that we've put him in our, awesome to step up. Our linebacker room is, is excellent. We have an excellent set of linebackers on this team and we have for a long time, but that's just like, as we criticize the defense and even as we ask yeah. the defensive line, which we think is pretty talented to, to do more know that our, our linebacker room is, is excelling. As and always. we knew that at the start of the season, but not to this extent. Um, yeah. I will say, I think a lot of that this year is I feel confident in the linebacker room because of Aziz Alshire. Yeah. Um, Fred Warner is still great, but he has certainly not played anywhere where he was last He's year. He's not all pro Fred currently. No, he is not. Aaron Rodgers, end of the game, saying you're the best linebacker out here. Um, he, he is not at his form where he was last year. Um Obviously, he can get back there. I believe this is his fourth season now. So, you know, he, he is we're learning. We're paying him for it. So We're paying him for it. So, you know, that is that is just classic in the world of sports. The guys, after they get a big year, a big contract the year after, it, it it's hard to play up to that because the, the money seems to raise people's standards. But, yeah, 
you know, and no, and no part of me thinks that that was just some fluke that he was that good. And we paid him. Um, I think he, he will be absolutely be at that form and he's still, he's still playing well. It's just, you know, he's supposed to be the best linebacker in the NFL or one of the top and he might not yeah. quite be there. Um, Dante Johnson wasn't, uh, I guess he wasn't personal, part of the personal inactive. issues. Yeah. He was, he was yeah. out for personal reasons. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what more about that, but hopefully everything's okay. Yeah. And, uh, Emmanuel Mosey is back to the IR for his ankle. Yeah. That's a bummer having him out. Our one good corner. Yeah. We'll see. I'm really curious to see what the starting lineup or not even just starting, but the, the roster, not roster, um, uh, the snap count you would call it is for next week against the Falcons. I'm curious yeah. to see if, if Amber Thomas is healthy. Um, Ooh. after I'm sure clearing concussion protocol, if he's put back out there as a starter, or if they throw Kawan Williams in there, Diamond Lenore. Luckily, I don't think we need to be too worried about our our corners against the Falcons. They're not. I don't think they're going to be pushed too much by that team. But Timmy, Matt Ryan. Yeah, but who's he, besides Kyle Pitts? He doesn't really have anyone to throw. Kyle Pitts, rookie tight end. He doesn't really have anyone to throw to. He's. I mean, there's also. Russell Gage, but Calvin Ridley has been away from the team for a while with some personal issues. Matt Ryan's still, still playing well, but their receiving options are, are well, and Corderell Patterson, you know, the, the best yeah. player in football, the MVP. Um, the second most versatile versatile player. Yeah, after Devo Samuel. Um, but yeah, with their, their receiving options are limited as long as we can shut down pits, which sure. I'm sure we can figure out a way to do that with well, he not is, having to worry he's about not anything even else. As much the He's not as much the worry right now. He has not been utilized in the last five weeks. Yeah. Well, I, I think teams have been saying, you have no one else to throw to. We're going to shut down this sure. guy, figure something else out. So I, yeah. I, I think that'll, that'll be what happens there. I'm not. I will say Gage does deserve some respect, at least in the last few weeks where he, he has done well. I believe he's eclipsed um, 100 yards in the last two, three weeks. Let me take a quick Yeah, he's a, he's a good player for sure. But, and he's, he's probably fine for your fantasy team, but I don't, he's not like, yeah. he's not a receiver. We have to be super concerned about, I think. Okay. I lied. Hopefully he I'm not jinxing. He had 130 yards in week 13 and that was it. And then 60 the week, be- the week before and after with a touchdown in one of them. So, yeah. you know, nothing, nothing to, if we can handle Jamar chase and T Higgins and Tyler board and Joe Mixon, I'm not too worried. So yeah. but again, it's one, it's one of those games where, you know, we played the Texans, no, the the uh, the Lions and the Eagles to start the year, and we won, but not by a lot. And so, no professional team can ever go into a game going, "Oh, we've got this one. No, no, no need to worry about it." Yeah. Um, but we can, we especially cannot do that <laughs> this late in the year. And I believe if we go two and two, we're going to be in the playoffs. Yeah, we're um, right now we're sitting in that six seed. I think I think you're right, but passing the Rams for the five seed is is not impossible. I think we're, are we one win back now? Uh, depending on tonight, if, if they lose to the Cardinals, we will be one, one game behind. Them. Yeah. If they, so we're seven and six right now and they're, they're eight and four. They haven't played played yet tonight. So they could be eight and five, which would, would put us one, one the win Cardinals back. Have first place locked up. So we actually Do they? want to root first. For, oh, yeah. first place in the division. Yeah. 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 That's they don't have the one seed in the NFC locked up yet. No, but we won't be surprised if they get that, but they have first place in our division locked up. So we would just love for them to beat the Rams and, you know, enjoy first place in the division. And hopefully we can get a better seed in the wild card, yeah, but definitely um, Falcons is 
next week. So that's who we have. Um, if, if we need to go two and two, we have Falcons. Then we have a Derek Henry-less Titans team. Will they be Derek Henry-less? Henry's, Henry's uh, position to potentially come back right around then. I believe in the playoffs. I yeah. saw reports that he'll be playoff ready. I there, don't think he'll be coming back at least there, in week six. There's a chance he might he might be back. I am a, I am a Derrick Henry fantasy owner. I've been I've been watching it. He might he might be back by then. Seems unlikely, but everything Derrick Henry pulls off is usually unlikely. So anything can happen. The Titans are still the two seed in the AFC. They've managed to to somehow keep the ship afloat without Henry. Um, AJ Brown is on IR, but if he I don't think he should be expected to be back. But Julio's back. He's eligible to come back. I just don't know if he's ready. Yeah, so I, I could see the Titans being being a tough matchup. But yeah, the Falcons on Sunday, we don't want to dismiss any team. And the Falcons have shown that on the right day, they can contend with the best of them. But I I expect Shanahan to want to beat his old team. And I, I think that'll that'll go well. Yeah, and then just to finish, round out the season, it's the Texans after that. So and win. We, we finish the year with an away game in Los Angeles against the Rams. I'll be there. I will, I will be there week 18. I'm excited because it's shaping up to be like a big playoff seating matchup. I love that we're switching Rams games. Like we, yeah, each, we, we only both go to one game this year and it's the, the Rams the games. home and away Rams games. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I was a little worried cause it's week 18. It's like, it's still going to be fun, but like it's the last game of the season. Not as like, not as big of a deal, but it will have, have implications no matter what. Yeah, no, totally. With how, it's gonna... with how tight the NFC wild card is, even if we have one of the spots locked up, like it, it's going to be, and I mean, it'll be a, it could be a, a playoff, not a pre-look because we've already played them twice. I was trying to think of a, the best word to describe it. Obviously I cannot find it, but foreshadowing foreshadowing could be, I mean, we've already been having, it'd that be all so, year it would be them. so fun to play the Rams in the playoffs. That would be awesome. That'd be tough. You know, it's one of those games, like I knew this, this Bengals game was going to be a tough one, but I get so excited for these. I love the close games where it's a fight and it's really, it's really hard to, to come out on top, but yeah, that's what you love. That's what we love to watch. So, Hey, there's one thing I want us to chat about because we still can be unhappy with, we've talked a lot about the Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch draft picks yeah. and what the front office has done. Um, but I do want to look at the the positives that they have done since this is their fourth year together, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 2017 was, was year one. Um, and I would love to look, I'd have to look into this deeper about finding some statistics about how often certain round draft picks like hit or what the expectation is. Like, you know, how many, how many Laquan Treadwills are there in the world where he's a first round pick who just never amounted to being a first round pick, let alone yeah. like third round pick worthy. He's still playing. It's on the Jaguars. He is. And that's, you know, not said. And yeah. I'd be curious to see, you know, cause obviously we're not super stoked with guys. Uh, you know, we, we've talked a lot about who comes to mind to me. We talked about Ruben Foster. We've criticized Javon Kinlaw. Solomon personally, Thomas. That's what I was just going to say next. Personally, I think Javon Kinlaw is too, early because we haven't seen a full sure. season my, my issue injuries. with Kinlaw is not against him as a player but I have a hard time of he's struggling with a knee injury that was foreseeable at the time of the draft that is supposedly fixed yes supposedly. we will have to wait until next year to see um so yeah we, we could bring up a number of you know we got Jalen Hurd Dante Pettis 
Um, those are, those are guys again, that were higher draft picks that we, we are not thrilled with. We, we were not really ever thrilled with. Yeah. Um, but these are the gems. This is, this is why John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan were brought in, or this is why they still have their jobs in terms of, or not still have their jobs for John. Yes. I, I believe, I mean, that is his job, but this is why um, they, this is essentially just trying to accredit them and, and build their resume. 2017, their first draft with us together. Yeah. Any, any ideas who was drafted in round five, 2017? Um, George Kittle. No. Our beloved yeah, George, George Kittle. Kittle. That is correct. Fifth round draft pick, George Kittle. Yeah. Travis Kelsey is incredible. I feel like he's had a relatively quiet season for Travis Kelsey. Yeah. Um, if, if George Kittle was healthy, what did he only miss three weeks or did he go past that? I believe he might have gone an extra week. Either um, way, he, he missed a, a substantial amount of time on IR. Yeah, totally. But he's in my opinion, obviously I'm biased, had arguably the best, maybe not even arguably the best tight end season this four tight ends this year. Um, oh yeah. Same same draft, round six, DJ Jones, who has really stepped up Great this play. year. Great in our pick. Line. Love it. Moving on to 2018, this is the one like state gem in the draft of 2018. Round three, Fred Warner. Fred Warner, baby. That's you a know, big pick. We're finding, we're finding these guys like George Kittle, one of, if not the best tight end in football this year and to come in last couple of years, round five. Yeah. It's the late Fred rounds Warner. that we're great at. We get value in the was, late rounds. It's making those first early point. round picks stick that yes. besides Bosa, none of them have been clear home runs so far. Yeah. So there's been good ones. What I was going to summarize with this oh, whole Oh, sorry. I cut you off. That, no, you're, it is great. Uh, I love it. You, you saw it right away that sure. And that's, what's hard about this is, it doesn't make sense. How were we missing so early in the first few rounds? If late in the draft, we're able to find gems and maybe there's something to say that our scouts, John and Kyle are really good at seeing, you know, the, the bottom half or bottom third of the draft pool and still picking out talent or who has potential and what they can work with. But still, if you're really good at doing that, how are you missing? It's weird. These early picks. And just personally, like, sure. Did we have the season we thought we would from either Brandon Ayuk or Trey Sermon? No, but I will be the last person to say that they're a bust, especially Ayuk is, is, is holding receipts. Yeah. I think their words already. I think Ayuk, we can fairly take out of the bust slash bust slash doghouse category with his play the past few weeks. He's shown that he has the ability. Is Shanahan going to let him use it? That's a question week to week, but and I think we're going to be saying the same thing about Trey Sermon next year. Obviously, I have less proof or stats to go off of than we do for Ayuk. Um, yeah, so if that's just a bold prediction and what I feel in my gut, then that's what it is. But yeah, the thing is, it, it, it a, comes down to, to one thing, how we're going to look at Shanahan Lynch is drafting. None of this matters yeah. if Trey Lance is awesome. And none of this matters as Trey Lance is bad because that's how the, if, if Trey Lance is bad, because that's how the NFL works. Head coaching and general manager regimes are defined by how they handle the quarterback position. And so we could have all, all these great picks. We just named all these bad picks. We just named what's going to define their success. Drafting is Trey Lance. That's, that's it. That's all that's going to matter in 15 years is how do we feel about Lance? Sure. Just to finish out this, this, the drafting gems, um, 2019 round one 
second overall pick, Nick Bosa. Obviously, incredible pick. But again, second overall pick, pretty hard to mess up. Yeah. Um, second round pick that year, Debo Samuel. And while I, I think that that's a little bit different, even though it's still in the second round, yeah. it's, it's you know, he was not the first receiver taken. There was other receivers. The versatility that he has, I think, if I remember correctly, even some people thought he was drafted high, that yeah. he shouldn't have been taken as high as he was. And uh, there's no comment <laughs> that needs to be made about that. Yeah. Um, uh, round five, 2019, Dre Greenlaw. Yeah. You know, round five, that's an incredible find. Uh, moving on to this last year's draft, round five, Talano Hufunga. Still really early, very much a biased, biased pick by me. Um, but I just, I know that in a few years that will be, will be, he'll be on the list. Uh, round six, Elijah Mitchell, starting running back this year. He's been killer. Yeah. Incredible find. That one might be a little bit more luck and opportunity than, than a pick, but who knows? No, I think, and obviously I think not, Mitchell was a great pick. And obviously not a pick, but the fact that they went after Trent Williams, the best left tackle in football, I think that's something to be said that yeah. they, they went out and they got their guy. Kyle knows him, loves him, and um, such a focal point of this team and is yeah. just so good in so many ways. I do think I did come up with a – do you want to hear my new fix for what to do with the, the Shanahan Lynch front office? I have an idea. I, I came up I with do. a better person to replace John Lynch with than Mike Shanahan. You already talked about Vic Fangio. Is it him? No, Vic Fangio for defensive coordinator. So I've been reading um, – it's better to oh, be yeah, feared. Oh, yeah, yeah, Sorry. I've been reading this book called It's Better to be Feared. It's by Seth Wickersham, ESPN reporter. It's about the Patriots. And he was talking about – I'm getting to like modern – how Belichick for a few years has been telling people that he'd be interested in transitioning to a front office position at different teams around the league. He and Shan he and Kyle Shanahan are actually like super close. They really respect each other. Like Bill Belichick has a deep love for the history of the NFL and probably that the probably loves the place the 49ers hold in that. Plus it's, it's like sunny California. So I think that if slash when Bill Belichick retires, it seems like it is in the cards that he wants to step into maybe just a GM position somewhere. Wait. I think we should we should replace John Lynch with Bill Belichick as 49ers general manager. You think Bill Belichick likes sunshine? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Bill Belichick has a has a rain cloud above his head everywhere he goes. The problem is if Bill Belichick came to the 49ers, anytime Kyle Shanahan did anything bad or anytime our defensive coordinator did anything bad, people would be like, just make him the jet, just make him the head coach. Yeah. Yeah. That wouldn't actually happen, but it would be awesome. But he and he and Kyle Shanahan like do really get along and respect each other. And, and so I could everyone if, respects Bill Belichick. Yeah, but Bill Belichick respects Kyle Shanahan is really what I mean. Now that's where it matters. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. I think it would be pretty awesome if he retires as the Patriots head coach and wants to just go be a general manager somewhere and he, he comes out to, to San Francisco. Just keep it in mind. Just keep it in mind. Okay, we can't. I want to add something, but we can only spend like 60 seconds on it because it's so off topic. Because <laughs> it's so ridiculous and it's never going to uh, happen. No, there's this uh, podcast I listen to. It's like uh, hot takes. It's like the most unbelievable hot takes. And yeah. like pe people defend him for a few minutes. Yeah. And one of them is that Bill Belichick should be a coach that is not tied to any team. And so you can pay him for one week to come and like coach your team. And he's like a consultant. So he comes <laughs> in, he's at practice all week and he works with like, each and every guy or each and every group and like tells them how to be great or what he would say like, literally just a consultant coach and he'll he'll take over as the head coach for one week and he's bounced around through the nfl teams each week we could find out how good he actually is 
Essentially, I mean, uh, he Kirk retires this season this after winning, after beating the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl with Mac Jones. He retires and then accepts the job as the 49ers, San Francisco 49ers general manager. I saw this last week that there is a 10% chance that it's a Bucks Patriots Super Bowl. I think it's the most likely Super Bowl at this point. Statistically. I, I would hate it, but also love it at the same time. I'm not, be- a, I'm, I'm not a Patriots fan. Happen. I'm not a Tom Brady like, it's fan. Inevi- it's inevitable at this point. Like yeah. like how at a certain point it was like, oh, like Tom Brady's going to win this Super Bowl last year. It's starting to feel like we're, we're getting Patriots Buccaneers, aren't we? And I don't know I'll who I want. It. If it's that predictable, I'll hate it. I, I think I'd root for the Patriots over the Buccaneers. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just because it'd be awesome. It would be awesome um, for Belichick to assert himself. Like Cliff that. Kingsbury did say this week that Bill Belichick should be winning coach of the year every year. And yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, well, it's, it's like how there was a stretch where LeBron James should have been NFL MVP every year for like 10 or NBA MVP, <laughs> I was like, really? NBA MVP for like 10 years or like how Mike Trout is really always the MVP in baseball, but they have to sometimes give it to someone else for variety. Daniel's holding up his Absolutely. Mike Trout phone case. That analogy hits for you, right? Like there was a, sure like does. a five year stretch where it's like, well, I guess we should take someone besides Mike Trout, but like, he's the best player. Like same thing. Yeah. Like that's Bill Belichick is coach of the year every year. Yeah, he's the best. Well, coach this year in especially because the Patriots started out so poorly because they really don't have that good of a team in terms of star. Like you look at the Bucks, full of stars, yeah. full of all pros. Patriots get a rookie quarterback. Mac I Jones, just, I just trust that to Kobe Myers. I trust that Bill Belichick is like saving the beat Brady game plan somewhere. He's got it somewhere, and like Bruce Arians is a good coach. But, like, who do I trust more to make the right decision when it matters? Like, Bill Belichick. Every single time. All right. So, we we wrapped up on that. Daniel, any final thoughts for next week's game against the Falcons or recapping the Bengals? Or are you ready to wrap up? I got one. We're looking next week at the Falcons. I think this is going to be a very fun game. Oh, yeah, it is. Specifically with the story of the two most – versatile players in all of the NFL. Cordero, Cordero Patterson. Cordero? Cordero, I think it's Cordero. Cordero Patterson had, was drafted as a wide receiver, doesn't have the best hands, so then was mainly a returner. Is kind of... What, probably the best kick mind. returner in the NFL since Devin Hester. That's what I was just going to say. I was, I was yeah. trying to make sure that that is truly what I believe. Jacoby Jones is also there, but I think that Patterson has him beat statistically. Yeah. Um, certainly by size. Yeah. But... Who was Patterson on last year? The Bears. He was in the Bears? Were, yeah. Oh, yes. He was in the Bears, and they were the ones to experiment, I believe, with him as a running back. The Patriots did it a bit, too. When he was on the Patriots, they'd run. They did? Okay. Yeah. But the Falcons are the first team to go, like, you are our or a running back. Like, he took Mike, Mike Davis' spot. Yeah. Mike Davis. Yeah, fantasy owners last year. Fantasy owners feel this pain because they went after Mike Davis and like, oh, he's going to be a starting running back. And then week one, somebody like me scooped Cordero Patterson off the waiver wires and suddenly had the yeah. fourth best running back in fantasy for the entire season. Mike Davis was awesome in Chris McCaffrey's absence last year. So the Falcons are like, we'll sign you. You're a starting running back. And he his job was taken immediately, or at least the starting role. And he was sharing with Patterson immediately. Yeah. But Patterson is the same same use as Debo where he's getting receiving touchdowns. He's getting rushing touchdowns, more rushing than receiving, but so, but so is Debo now. Yeah. Um, Debo is a much better 
he's still a wide receiver. Like Debo can still get it done as a wide receiver. He's got great hands. He's a yeah. great wide receiver. He's just also great in our scheme for him. His rushing attempts is awesome. Sure. Cordell Patterson, not as great wide receiver. Doesn't have as great of hands, but definitely the scheme works for him. Rushing is great. Kick returning, incredible. So the, the argument for who's more versatile, Patterson has more positions to his name, essentially, with how good of a kick returner he is. And I bet Debo would be a great kick returner as well if we were willing to let him take kick returns, but we're not because we want him to stay healthy. But in terms of uh, brute skill as a running back and a receiver who better hands, more agile, whatever, I'm going to go with Debo. But just seeing those two guys on the field at the same time or in the sure. same game, like that, that's going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to be a fun game. All right, Niners that's, fans. That's what I got. Thank you for tuning in. We love having you. Uh, go continue to celebrate this big win over the Bengals and uh, hold on for the ride of what's going to be the rest of this season and if we make the playoffs or not. Stay safe out there. That's my that's my line now. All right, bye. Everybody.